Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to enjoy a series called Witness His Majesty. Witness His Majesty. And I have a, a message for today. Would you repeat these words? Carry God's purpose full term. Carry God's purpose full term. Hallelujah. We want to have fresh eyes to see the majesty of Jesus this season. And how many of you would like to say in your hearts and with your lips, Lord, show me who you are again in, your, in a deeper way and then reveal who I am to you that I may live in a more meaningful way before you. How many of you would just say, Lord, do work in my heart? How many of you need, a, need the Lord to do that? Increase my capacity for intimate communication with you. Help me to know your love in a greater way. These are the things that I feel in my heart these days. I just want, I don't want the, the season uh, to pass me by. And especially the, the, since there's so much turbulence all around us, I thought it was very unique and a blessing for the Lord just to witness that he's releasing something of his presence to combat the confusion, the worries, the work of the adversary, the turbulence in the world. Aren't you grateful for the Lord's peace coming over us? So let's be like the wise men who followed the light where they, that they were given, the star, and let's bring our gifts to worship Jesus this season. Amen? Let's just settle that and let's expect a new work of the Holy Spirit to be sown into our hearts. All around us, there are hearts looking for answers. People need the Lord more now than ever. Proverbs 13:12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Psalm 147:3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, healing their pain and comforting their sorrow. How many of you want to witness that? More of that. So I'm going to read uh, a little bit of the, from the Message Bible about Mary's encounter with Gabriel. But to set this up, I want to tell you about his, the first encounter is with, with, with uh, Zechariah. And so Zechariah is a, his, his turn to be the priest in the temple, the burn incense and the pray. And uh, he's Elizabeth's husband. Elizabeth is the, ends up being the mother of John the Baptist. And this is kind of how this story goes because he's in there praying and Gabriel shows up and he's busy, you know, and he looks over there and there's this angel. And uh, the, uh, Gabriel literally says to him, I'm here to answer your prayer and your wife who's been barren all these years, she's going to have a son that's going to be called, you're going to call him John. This is who John the Baptist becomes. Well, Zechariah doubted him. Can you believe that? An angel shows up and the man doubts. And so here's what happens. In this story, it's an amazing thing. For God not to allow this person that is key in the storyline and the narrative of bringing forth John the Baptist who's going to prepare the way for Jesus to keep him from negating the work of God how many of you know negative words can cut off this prophetic power that God puts in us? So he literally makes Zechariah mute. Zechariah can't speak. He can't open his mouth and say anything. He comes out of the temple and he, 
His mouth doesn't open up again until the baby's born. And they want to know, aren't you going to name the baby after the father? Is it going to be Zachariah? And he goes, give me a piece of paper. And he writes the name John on the piece of paper. This is going to be the baby's name. And then his mouth opens. 1 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. It's important to cherish the Word of God and that's sown into our hearts. You know, if you and I look in the natural realm too long after we receive a promise, it can, we can allow that to negate what we've heard. Isn't that true? If you look, keep looking in, in fact, I put up here, we can let what we see around us talk us out of what God has for us. And sometimes God's word to you is so outrageous to your natural perspective. Let me give you an example. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says, Remember not the former things. How many of you have ever heard this verse? This is a big, gigantic, personal prophetic word to many, many people that comes from the word of God. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Sounds good, doesn't it? God's always working, though, in a partnership with us. I'm going to look at me. Do you know how he does this verse? He revealed it to me. He showed me how he does this verse. He just doesn't go do it. He sends a person into the wilderness, and they decree the word of God in that desert place. He sends a person who proclaims that this wilderness is going to have a way made in it, and there are going to be streams flowing in here. This is how God does it. He sends a person, and that person starts to speak. It says, I'm not looking at what was formerly here. I'm going to go ahead and say what God says is here, because all of God's promises require somebody to come and stand and say, this is what the Lord said. This is what he's doing, regardless of what you see right now, regardless of what happened in the past. I proclaim and decree that there will be streams in this desert place. I proclaim there will be a way made in this wilderness it always comes with a man or woman of God coming and proclaiming a word that God has put I'm not going to look at the former things you right now don't look at the former things God's doing a new thing in you this season there's a new work of God's spirit and he wants you to partner with him and not be like Zechariah and speak negatively and Cause the whole promise to just evaporate and diminish. He wants you to release the springs. He wants you to release the way. Can I have somebody come in agreement with me here? Paul understood this so beautifully. And he coached Timothy in learning how to partner with God. Look at this. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.18 says, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child... In accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, by them, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Let that sink in. There are things that God speaks. It could be a prophetic word. By the laying on of hands, somebody like a mature elder moved on by the Holy Spirit imparts. It could be you sitting there with your, in your devotions and the Lord whispers in your heart and he prophesies to you 
But you have to stand that ground. You have to stand that ground. And you can wage war because the moment the seed is sown, the bird comes to eat the seed. Satan comes to steal the word. That's the warfare. That's why he says there's a good warfare if you'll stand your ground and wage war. And sometimes you have to stand there and understand what you're doing because nothing is going your way. But you know that God said something inside of you. And there's a previous word that God wants to come to pass in your life. Somebody just agree with me. Just get in the spirit of this right now because I believe we're going to get to Mary in a minute. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's a, there's a warfare. In, why? Because this. God has a purpose for your life that you would go from glory to glory in fulfilling what he created for you to step into. Okay? But the devil has a plan and he wants you to doubt God's plan. And he wants you to live in misery and negativity and miss what God is doing in your life altogether. Behind curtain number one or curtain number two, which one do you want? Zacharias, where you have to close that mouth and keep from speaking evil of what you see around you. Amen. So I tell you what, this is, that's the introduction. Would you lift your heads with me? Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now that each heart here cherishes Christ in us, the hope of glory. I ask that you would be with us and speak to us through your word today. We want to witness your majesty in our lives. I said amen. Now go ahead and tell the person, um, today is a very special day and that we're going to go past when we normally go in our service because we did so much before to say it's a special day today it's special nobody's in a hurry to leave right now anyway are you it's cold out there it's nice and cozy in here so this is the message bible i want to read from the message bible i think it's kind of fun so this is where luke 24 through 45 it says this when the course of his priestly assignment was completed he went back home it wasn't long before his wife elizabeth conceived she went off by herself for five months, relishing her pregnancy. So this is how the Lord acts to remedy my unfortunate, unfortunate condition, she says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph. The virgin's name, Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out. God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. And the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You'll become pregnant and give birth to a son and call him name, his name Jesus. And he will be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will rule Jacob's house forever. No end ever to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called holy, son of God. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son, old as she is? 
Everyone called her barren. And here she is, six months pregnant. Nothing, you see, is impossible for God. And Mary said, yes, I see it all now. If the Lord, I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me, just as you say. And the angel left her, and Mary didn't waste a minute. She got up and traveled to the town of Judah in the hill country, straight to Zechariah's house, and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leaped, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit and sang out exuberantly, you're blessed among women, and the babe in your womb also blessed and why am I so blessed that the mother of the, my Lord visits me? The moment the sound of your greeting entered my ears, the babe in my womb skipped like a lamb for sheer joy. Blessed woman who believed what God said, believe every word will come true. So we look at, you and I can look at Mary's beautiful experience of becoming the mother of the Messiah as a template for all believers. How many of you know Father God wants the new life of His Son, Jesus Christ, birthed and brought to full term in your life? God has big plans for you. So let's look at, we'll just look at what happened to Mary here. God has big plans for Mary. God has big plans for you. Are you ready? Tell somebody, you will be stretched. As you receive His new life, she received... We have a pregnant woman in the house whose little tummy is getting bigger and bigger. And so she understands probably more than anybody else or those of you who've given birth before. So when God begins to work in you, he introduces you to his spiritual way and it's a supernatural way of his life in you. Your natural man, so to speak, with all its shortcomings, bows out. And as we nurture the new life that comes into our life when we walk with Jesus, how many of you know learning to walk with Jesus is a stretching kind of an experience? Number two, God's part in planting the seed of his life within us. Our, God, that's God's part. God plants the seed. What's our part? Our part is to nurture it, cherish it, protect it, partner with the growth of Christ in us. You see, our part is very important, as I said a minute ago. The devil wants to steal it. So make what God is doing in you a priority. Can you do that? Especially this season. I believe there's things that are going to manifest in a beautiful way as we walk through this season. The Lord's going to unravel certain things. He's got more. I have a, a word at the end here that the Lord spoke to me Tuesday. But the, the, he wants to unravel some things that are in our lives through this season. He's just that good. He wants to take away anything that has bound you up as you walk into this season. Number three, spiritual people who have a new life in Christ will also bear witness of what God is doing in you. Just like Elizabeth was a, was a, she was, Elizabeth was in the third trimester. Mary was in the first trimester. This is amazing thing here. Um, how many of you have, um, taken something very precious that God has done in your life and shared it with someone who was skeptical. Didn't work out too good, did it? See, the Bible talks about Mary not going to her family. As the video points out, wow, that would have been a difficult time. But he, what's he do? He sends her to her cousin who's in the same situation she is. Would you say these words, like precious faith? 
when you're around, when God's beginning to work in you, you need to go and be around people who have the same precious faith. The Bible says it uh, in Hebrews 10:25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. So we need to build each other up to affirm, just like Elizabeth did when Mary showed up, the Holy Spirit gives a sensitivity to the work of the Spirit in somebody else's life. It's a beautiful thing. When you come into me or, or Pastor Heather or any of our elder people and uh, you're pouring out your heart and talking about what the Lord's doing, they have a sense by the Holy Spirit because they walk with the Lord and they can see and sense of what's going on and partner with the Lord in what to do and help you. Isn't that wonderful? What's so powerful about this to me is that he literally sent her right away to be protected, to be nurtured, to be affirmed. Everybody say affirmed. It is so powerful when the new life of Jesus is beginning to manifest in somebody's life that as those, before, the, before those seeds really take root, so to speak, before that really blossoms, the Lord wants you to have people around you that affirm you and, and help fan that into flame and help that grow. So I want to just say this, no matter what you're facing, God will deal with it with a seed. No matter what you're facing, God's answer is, you know, you want, let's do this big thing. He goes, here's a seed. Because you're going to partner now with his word. He's going to do things, but something's going to grow inside of you. In fact, uh, this is wild. Uh, let me read the first part, then we'll put up the second part. Mark 4, 26 through, uh, through 32 says, Jesus said, The kingdom of God is like a seed thrown on a field by a man who goes to bed and forgets about it. And then the seed sprouts up and grows. He has no idea how it happens. The earth does, all it, does it all without his help. First a green stem of grass, then a bud, and then it, the ripened grain. And when the grain is fully formed, he reaps it. It's harvest time. So Jesus says, how can we picture God's kingdom? What kind of story can we use? And so this, the Message Bible, makes it fun. It's like a pine nut. Have you ever seen a pine nut? Does anybody put little pine nuts on your, your salads? I love that. It's like a pine nut. When it lands on the ground, it's quite as small as seeds go. But yet, once it's planted, it grows into a huge pine tree with thick branches. And eagles nest in it. How many of you have seen a seed push up a concrete sidewalk? Look at that. That started out as a seed. There are hindrances, things that want to block, things that want to hold you back. And the Lord this season is saying, I'm going to sow a seed in you that's so powerful, so strong, and it's going to grow. And it's going to cause everything that's been you to be pushed right out of the way. I'm going to take what's been concrete and resistant in your life, and it's going to just go as a matter of course because you're going to grow up, and the thing that was big to you is going to become small to you. And you're going to become big to get it in Christ Jesus. And I can hear the rumbling of hallelujahs. I can hear it. I know I hear it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Because the seed within us, within you will grow and break, break through the hindrances 
so you want to protect the seed. As I said a minute ago, how many of you have uh, shared something? Made it, it was a big mistake when you share something precious with other people and then they, they throw their skepticism all over it. Jesus actually said this in Matthew 7, 6. He says, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. The Lord wants you to have wisdom when the, word, when the Holy Spirit is working in you. Probably one good time of sharing something awesome that God's doing to somebody who's completely skeptical and, uh, and doesn't care about all of that is probably enough to get you to go, I'm not doing that again. I need to hang out with the people who cherish what God is doing in my life. And I need to cherish what God's doing in other people. But when a seed is planted, these are a few verses that kind of underscore this. Zechariah 4, 10. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. Now I want to step back and just look at the, a real big picture here because here we see Jesus goes through a season, excuse me, Mary goes through a season and brings forth the Christ child. But there, there was a prophecy, the very first prophecy in the Bible, the very first one. It's in the Genesis. It's right after Adam and Eve fall into sin, right after that. It says, I will put enmity. Can you say enmity? Enmity. Everybody say enmity. Enmity is hatred. It's personal hostility. Personal hostility. That's what enmity means. I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking to the snake. Between your offspring or seed and her offspring. Now her seed is Jesus. And it says, and he, the offspring of the woman, which is Mary, hello, is going to crush the head of the serpent and his heel will be bruised. And there's an idea in here for spiritual warfare and the spiritual warfare is you can go ahead and hate the devil Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil there's a verse in Psalm 139 verse 22 says I hate them with a complete hatred I count them my enemies so the Lord wants you to rise up and come against things that want to steal the precious life of Jesus from your life. In Jesus' name, I come against you. There's a whole lot more on that. I'm not going to go into that, but that's important. And then, so what happens is, not only does Mary come to full term, but now we see Jesus growing up. Luke, 20, Luke 2, 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. And we begin to see the majesty of Jesus as he steps into his ministry, we begin to see that majesty manifest. John said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we see his majesty when Jesus literally walks on the top of the water at the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee has another name. It's called Lake Gennesaret. 
Gennesaret is the Hebrew word for harp. When you look from an aerial view, the Sea of Galilee is in the shape of a harp. I believe Jesus was walking on the strings of the harp, playing a melody for Father God as he was walking on the water. That's my view. We see his majesty when he lifts up his voice after being completely asleep. And they say, why do you care? Don't you care about it? And he comes out of a sound sleep and says, peace, be still. And the, instantly, instantly, immediately the storm ceases and they're next to the shoreline. How many of you have seen his majesty in your life in some way? I remember when my brother-in-law and my sister were getting married and it rained really, really, really heavy. They were having a wedding outside. Rained, rained, rained. It messed up the whole idea of having the wedding outside. So we were planning to go to a church. But then the wind started blowing. And the wind blew and blew and blew and blew. And right before the time of the wedding, it stopped and every seat was dry. I saw his majesty. He was a hey, I'm going to water the crops, but... I'll make room for the wedding. We see his majesty when Jesus completely restores a leper who cannot be with his family. Jesus cleanses his skin like brand new and he can go and be restored to his family. We see his majesty when he heals terminal illnesses, the issue of blood, the woman with issue of blood, the lady that's been over for 18 years. He completely restores them. We see the majesty of the Lord when he heals the blind man. The guy that is born blind. Born blind. Jesus cast 6,000 demons out of one man at one time. You see the majesty of God when he re completely restores. This guy's clothed in his right mind when Jesus is finished. You see the majesty of the Lord Jesus. We see his majesty when he stands before Lazarus' tomb and raises him from the dead. We see Jesus' majesty when he's on the cross and he yells, It is finished! And then he says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. We see the majesty of Jesus Christ when he rises from the dead. Spends 40 days with his disciples and then ascends to heaven. But I believe more than that, because that's done, that's history. That the Father God and the Lord Jesus Christ want to see something of His majesty released in your life. It doesn't stop with the Bible. It continues with you and me. I believe the Lord wants to see His majesty bursting forth as He's sown a seed inside of you and to watch it grow and to bring forth fruitfulness in your life to be a witness to His majesty in your own life. So as I said, uh, Tuesday... We were preparing, and I put my head down just for a minute, and the Lord spoke something. He made me know that he was going to heal the damage in hearts where losses have occurred. The way he did this, showed it to me was it, it was rather, he was going to get aggressive with it. He was going to go he was going to be really focused 
on getting a hold of what people have buried deep inside of them. And the verse that he gave me is Jeremiah 31, 15. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. Would you say this? She refused, she refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. And you know then the, the story is that Herod sends his soldiers to kill the little children that are two years and younger down in the Bethlehem area because they want to get rid of the king. But Joseph is woken up with a dream and they take baby Jesus and they take Mary and they leave and they go to Egypt for several years. They escape. But there's this verse here. There's this verse here that really... There's a decision that was made in the hearts of the people that lost their kids. That they refused to be comforted. They refused to be comforted. And I sense the Lord profoundly say to me, Roger, I'm going to go ahead after the place is inside of the heart where people haven't received my comfort yet this Christmas season. I'm going to go after every place that's been buried down inside. Many people don't know that they have refused comfort. It was just a tragic thing that happened. And they haven't even known that it's bent them out of shape. It's caused their hearts to be stunted. It's caused their spiritual life to be held back. There's a verse in Hebrews 12:15 says, "See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up, causes trouble." By it, many become defiled. I understand this extremely well because I was impacted so deeply and I didn't realize that I had resisted comfort. When you're afraid to bring something to the light, when you're fearful that if somebody knows what really happened to you, and if that fear binds you up and causes you to feel ashamed of yourself, when you're resistant of someone knowing the damage goods that are inside, that's a refusal to be comforted. Would you lift your heads? Well, just lift your heads before the Lord. I'm going to put one other verse up. Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. How many times does that say comfort? Oh my gosh. The God of all comfort, who comforts us, that we may be able to comfort with the comfort we've been given, that we've been comforted by God five times, five times. 
The Lord instantly took me to this. He says, I'm the God of all comfort, and I've come to comfort your heart. I've come to the very place where you have been. I'm coming to the place where you have refused comfort. Everybody close your eyes if you would. Just lift your heads before the Lord. Lord, every person in here wants to carry your purpose to full term. And each of us have places where our hearts need your help. So we say to you this season, I'm coming to open up my soul, my heart, to you to be comfortable. Help me step into the freedom that you have for me. I'm sick and tired of refusing comfort. Just tell the Lord that. I want to be comforted. The Lord is saying deep down where the roots have been. The Lord has a, an anointing to go after deep-rooted issues that have taken the joy out of your soul. Things that you settled on that was so damaging to me, I don't think that I will ever be able to talk about it, and it's just buried there. And the Lord profoundly touched my heart. He said, I'm going to go after that. That level of deep-rooted refusal to be comforted. That's what I'm going after this season. Would you just partner with the Lord and say, Lord, would you comfort me where I have refused comfort in the past? Would you help me open my soul and my heart to the place where you can do what you want to do in me. Would you do that? Would you just say, Lord, help me. I don't want to refuse it anymore. I want the, the walls to come down. I want the seed of your love to sprout and grow. I want everything that's been a hindrance to break apart in my life so that I can rise up and be what you have called me to be and manifest your majesty in my life. I don't want it shut off anymore. I want to carry your purpose in my life to full term. Now, Father, I just lift every, every heart, every heart. Holy Spirit, come. Come in a way, Lord, over this season. Now, by the way, just go ahead and stand. We're going to dismiss now. I have a couple of people that are going to be up here in front to pray with, and with you and with us as we dismiss. We've been a little over time. That's okay. You still love me. I still love you. Amen. I said amen. <laughs> Father God, we just ask now that as we step into this process of this season, that you begin to untangle things that tangled us up, that those things have been blocked down in there, that you just deal with those in a beautiful way, and we just say, come, God of comfort, to every heart. Amen? Amen. You're dismissed. We have a few people that will be here available for prayer if you want to continue in this. Amen.